everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast where writers sit around drinking tasty beverages to talk about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. There will be rants and raves and opinions that may not agree, but are lovingly delivered. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Your pro fan base today is Chaz and Karen Brinchley. This is episode 187, Interview with Sean Kernan. Welcome, Sean. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. And we're happy to have you here. (laughs) So one of the reasons I invited you is you're a slightly different kind of writer than we normally have, We, which are traditionally uh, books and magazine writers, in that you write in the cloud. But mm-hmm. we will we will get to the, we will get to that in a minute. But I wanted to kind of start from the beginning. So you had a job once, right? Nine to five kind. Yeah, more like the the eight to seven kind. But yeah, I, I worked for years as a financial analyst, and that was what I expected to be doing for the uh, majority of my working life until. Uh, a little writing hobby turned from being a side thing into something much more, basically. So you're known as the guy from Quora. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what Quora is and how you got that nickname? Well, so basically what happened was I was writing, I, I was working, and then I realized I needed a hobby on the side. And I was, I'm one of these people who Googles lots of questions and is just, I'm a very curious person and it kept taking me to Quora and Quora is like a Facebook for questions and answers and is actually founded by the first CTO of Facebook, Adam D'Angelo. So when you go to this feed, you see a sort of uh, cascading feed where you can see random people's answers and you're given prompts right there in front of you. And it was a very easy bite-sized way to get started with writing. Cora's goal is to share all the world's knowledge. And I think for someone like me who has always been a big reader and just, I have gobbled up science fiction and fantasy books my whole life and often thought about writing. This was a really easy way to just get started. You didn't have the intimidation factor of writing a whole book and I didn't actually get into it with some grand ambition of becoming some writer that people knew or even with the goal of making money. I mean, it was just I had a, I felt a calling to come to the keyboard and it became an obsession. I started and I would get home from work and just immediately go to my keyboard and start writing. And uh, I don't know, I just it snowballed from there. I fell in love with it. Oh, that's great. Did you actually make money on, on Quora at the time? Because I, I started, I, I my, before I got married, I was Karen Williams, which is, there's a million Karen Williams. Mm-hmm. But um, so I was on Quora for a while and answered some questions and so on. And um, I was actually pleased because there was, there didn't seem to be any, or very much, I suppose, any bullying or fighting or, or that kind of thing. But maybe I was the, the area I was answering questions in. But um, I noticed now I went back and looked and they're actually monetizing it. Uh, How did, when and how did that happen? So this is the second iteration of monetization. So if we go back, I started in 2016 on Quora. And at that time, there was not really any, any ways to make money with internet writing unless you had a website that was really doing well with SEO, or you had some type of niche that was getting traffic and converting sales. 
this whole thing about getting paid for online writing is a relatively new thing. And it was first sort of innovated with Medium when they launched their Medium Partner Program. And so Cora wanted to you know, it's funny how these tech companies are such copycats. The minute one of them proves a model works with monetization, there's just an avalanche of them. And then there's like a pullback and some realize they're not that good at it. So the first monetization model was the Quora partner program, and they would pay you to ask questions on the site. Now that was the first way I started making money. And I started making real money. I mean, several thousand a month as it sort of built up. And that's, you know, you can have some fun with that. And I started building a little nest egg. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't making a ton of money, but it was enough to keep my attention. And so that that program eventually ended a couple years um, after that, and it was replaced with the Quora Plus program, which is a model that basically mimics the Medium setup. So as you know, with Medium, it's uh, all of the paying readers pay their $5. That goes into this giant pool, which the writers then compete for. And we get about half of that $5 um, if we get... So I got to break it down a little more than that. So basically, if you spend an hour reading um, on Medium in a given month, $2.50 of your money will be distributed on a percentage basis to wherever that hour was spent. So we writers compete for that money. Uh, on Quora, it's a very similar setup. There's a pool of money that goes into this big cloud and then is redistributed to writers. Um, their model is a good bit weaker than Medium's uh, because Quora is a lot of different things. It's focused on expertise and, and all these um, different value adds, whereas Medium is a very writer-centric monetization model. Now, uh, Quora Plus has gotten better for me in recent times. Not, I mean, the money's not crazy good, but it's it's something. And um, the problem is you have to really move a lot of views in order to make it worth your time. And honestly, the only reason it it probably works for me is because I have so much longevity there and a following. Are you effectively being paid to ask questions here on for or to give answers? So initially it was questions. So and they have discontinued the question program. Yeah, got you. Now, so I have a question though on the answers. You probably were just about to tell me this. But is it based on people upvoting you or is it actually based on the answer being correct? <laughs> oh, that would be nice. Well, I think um, on your second question about it being correct, I mean, I think that's a harder. So when you're dealing with monetization at scale, it's devilishly hard to create a system that works the way you want it to like how do you define correct well they have um they have sometimes they do these uh questions at the bottom of the answer says is was this answer helpful they find that that's one way of measuring accuracy but uh to your answer uh, to your question no there no accuracy is not really the thing that's being paid it's uh, are you getting reads from actual quora plus paying members so are you converting and bringing in revenue so they're trying to incentivize us plan a part and generating revenue for the platform and then they just split some of that because it's like a it's a less it's a lower risk way of monetizing content than just flat paying them and hoping it works out but no accuracy but at the end of the day i think the system does sort itself out to some extent if you become known as a charlatan you're going to lose a lot of readers <laughs> probably not as many as you should but it will hurt you in the long run long run and hurt your credibility so i hope that answers yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. 
No, no. Please feel free to interrupt anytime because I do that sometimes too, because I don't want to forget the question I had. So just feel free to jump in. <laughs> okay. Actually, so we interrupted you. So do you remember where you were? Well, you were still explaining more about Quora. What my, my experience was when I went back to Quora, I say, I just don't like it um, <laughs> because I don't like the setup and I don't understand. Um, they've got, instead of just question, answer, question, answer, they also have, I don't know, these kind of tents where someone says, okay, I've set up. One thing that annoys the, the hell out of me is this guy has set himself up as Mr. Multiple Sclerosis Expert. Okay. Oh, God. And and so all the multiple, and, he, and I don't know how he does this, or, or, but the questions get, get, he siphons them into his little tent. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you probably know the real word for the little tents that these guys are, are creating. The space? The space, yes. The spaces. Yeah. So he's got yeah. the space. But he annoys me because because he used to remove things that I would say, because I had mul- multiple sclerosis for several years, and I had um, a well-known therapy to reboot one's re- um, immune system, which, which in uh, 70% of MS cases, if you do that, the MS goes away. Okay. Mm-hmm. There, there, there is a, there is, it's not a, a, a cure exactly uh, because the damage is still there, but I don't have new um, damage and it's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And I would post about this and he would remove it. And now mm-hmm. he's actually, he's stopped. For, I think other people have been posting the same kinds of things. because He stopped removing those and he actually mentions it on the side now. Anyway. <laughs> but they have changed it so that they have these kinds of people who can who can do that. Who Set can, up a space and annex all the questions. You mean. Yeah, and kind of manage, um, you know, manage things more. It's less of a wild west um, <laughs> space now. So can I comment on that? Um, I think one of the things you have to understand is uh, there's a difference between questions and Quora. And space questions are like their own little country. You can... Um, and they do have their own little dictators sometimes. Uh, you can actually, the, the better thing to do is just answer regular core questions, not questions in the space. Because if you were to ap- answer MS questions just that are on the site, it would still distribute those answers to people with an interest in, in that subject matter. So I, I think they haven't done a great job of drawing a DMZ line between spaces and actual core questions because it can look like they're the same thing. But yes, there is... Um, the, there is like issues with content moderation and, and sort of these the way some of these spaces are run is a little problematic at times as well. Well, thanks. That clears that clears that up for me anyway. Yeah. No, he's not. He's not the normal moderation. And you know, honestly, the, the moder there's a complete lack of moderation on Quora right now. I mean, it's, it, it feels like they have like one or two people doing it because they've you know, anytime these these platforms have issues with revenue and they're losing money, the first thing they cut is moderation. And like you know, like even on Facebook right now, one of the things that happened is they did all these layoffs, and so they immediately tried to automate their moderation system and you got like millions of false positives. I've had my account suspended three times and I'm like the least controversial Facebook. Right? I, I mean, I chat with my friends. I look at like dog pictures. I don't do anything. And so it, moderation is we, that could be another wormhole. We can go down maybe at a later date too. Yeah. So. Those dog, don't you like beagles? Come on, Sean. I, I like, I, you know, my neighbor had a beagle and she, it, she let it out in the middle of the night and it would bark and, the, and those barks carry and they cut through stone basically and wake you up. 
but I do like them otherwise when they're not waking me up. Okay, good. All right. Well, then you can go back on. You can go back on Cora then. Okay, thank you. So you made the move then, though, to uh, Medium, mm-hmm. okay, which is where I where I encountered you for the first time, mm-hmm. and you are one of their top revenue earners or top. You know, you, you're you're listed as the top person in several subjects, and so. Tell me about how you, you write something every day, okay? You and, and we're not talking a little Quora answer. We're talking a, a, a very nice essay, beginning, middle, end, makes a point, you know, mm-hmm. has a good starting section, has a good ending section. Um, your your high school English teacher would be more than proud of you. Um, <laughs> how did this come about? What was your journey? How did you start on Medium? And then how do you do that every day? Yeah, so this... all all sort of coincides with some of the other things I mentioned. So when I was working as a financial analyst, I mean, I, I never loved it. I I did it and it just felt like the thing I was supposed to do because I was good at math and I just sort of went in that direction. And when I started writing on the side, I be- started to like realize I really didn't enjoy uh, what I was doing at the office. And I hate to make this analogy, but it's sort of like having an affair to realize you weren't happy in your marriage. And not that I have, but that's kind of what happened. I started writing in about three years, I would say two, two to three years after I started, I eventually went in and quit my job. Now, at this point, I had saved up um, a good chunk of change from the Quora question program. And at that point, they were paying decently, like not as much as I was making in finance, but there it was a few thousand a month. And you know, you can survive on that. And so I just had a bad boss. I was having it was experiencing all the worst things about corporate, that you've all the cliches and the micromanagement. And so one day I put in my two weeks and I remember I was, you know, it was kind of this very emotional, difficult decision because it's such a major life change. And uh, my plan was I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to give it six months and we'll see what happens. I've got enough money to get by. Even if I make $0 for the first six months, let's just see what happens. So uh, t- two days, I know I would say it was, it was a week. It was a week after I quit my job, Cora cut the question earnings for us in half. So I immediately was down to like not a survivable income. And I, and I had this sort of you know, holy crap moment where I was like, you know, have I made a horrible decision here? Like, and so I had heard of medium oddly enough, because when back in those days, Quora was heavily regulated and you used your real name and people got banned all the time, like really well-known writers just got the the ban hammer and they were done. And that was a really scary thing for writers because it was the only platform for a lot of us. Well, a lot of them would go to medium because that was like their little, you know, their, their chance to revive themselves. And, And a lot of times it didn't work out. But I figured I would go to Medium and just see if I could get a second life there. And uh, I was starting from scratch again. I don't have, you don't have deadlines in this business. Like you're not dealing with publishers and you don't have to have a final copy, but you are dealing with like paychecks and, and money. And that has its own sort of urgency. And when your back is against the wall, like it was in the beginning, it, it has a way of motivating you, you know, because the thinking was, oh, my God, I, I don't want to go back to the office. I, I really love writing. And so I, I really had like a profound like three to four months of growth as a writer. I went to Medium and just really grinded and got feedback and looked up tips and asked for, you know, advice. And I just felt so hungry. And luckily, I got things moving and was able to start carving out a living there. Now, in terms of 
writing an article a day. I mean, here's the thing. I, I this is all I do. I mean, I, I don't have anything else to do in the day. I don't have meetings. Uh, if you look at a fiction writer, there's plenty of fiction writers out there that churn out a thousand words, 2000 words a day. And if I'm just chiseling a, a 1000 word essay, I mean, I feel like that's a, that's a doable goal. Sometimes it's a little more. So yeah, I mean, you, I, I am a fiction writer and yeah, mm-hmm. I can do a thousand words, 2000 words a day, every day for months on end sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's, I'm generally, I'm writing a novel which is, you know, one big idea and a whole lot of little ideas and things getting tangled up and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. A thousand-word essay every day. I, I hate to ask this. Where mm-hmm. do you get your ideas from? <laughs> <laughs> and sorry if I rambled too much there earlier. I Thank you for, like, jumping in. So we really, it's like 20, I would say it's 25 articles a month, and I've slowed it down a little bit recently. But it is an aggressive schedule. I mean, I am an industrious type of writer. I, I mean, I, I, I definitely work at it and the ideas come from everywhere. Um, I mean, I, I generally will pay attention to my feelings when I'm just consuming content, like what interests me, like, what is the thing that, you know, because I, I feel like I'm sure this happens with fiction too. If you're, if you're not bought into your own story, it's going to show and, and the characters aren't going to pop to life quite as much. And the same thing is true with nonfiction and essay writing. Like you, you've got to feel something intrinsically about what you're going to write. It makes the, it makes it that much easier. Um, so in terms of ideas, so there is personal stories, like everyday things that I observe and that happen. I mean, I'm, I'm just constantly in record mode as I go about my day. I'm, I'm making notes of things that happen. And it's actually kind of amazing because I think people, they don't realize how many cool stories are around them. And, and, and I actually learned this from Stephen King. I was, I listened to a lot of his interviews and he talks about like some of the characters and things he comes up with. And there's so many like everyday interactions that are inspiring his, his horror novels and that happens with a lot of authors. So yeah, that's one of them. And then I just, you know, I just consume and listen to podcasts and, I mean, this is kind of a dream job. I get to like, you know, I get to listen to cool like podcasts and watch videos on YouTube and learn about things or, yeah, I mean that's the short version. I had a question. I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead. So, but you do have when you sit down to write an essay, you are not sitting down every day and saying, "Hmm, how am I going to write this essay?" <laughs> I know you have a process. I know you have a for you, you have a you you have a a format a st- a particular style of uh, to write your your essays because you've shown yeah. it to me. Yeah, I don't want you yeah. necessarily like, you know, reveal your secrets. Reveal your secrets. <laughs> I don't want you to reveal your secrets, but yeah. but you know, you have because you are a professional writer who writes, you know, at least a thousand words every day uh, and gets paid a lot of money for it and you write good stories. You know what you're doing. You know, you're not, you know, it this isn't like a like a one-off Cora answer. You actually have developed, uh, you have kind of the Sean Kernan style of, of stories, mm-hmm. which is not, which, which is, which is oddly enough, not like Tim Dinnings, for example. <laughs> yeah. You know, to Chaz's point, I mean, he, he brings up a really interesting thing. You know, when he's writing a book, he's having to, and I'm going to work to your answer too. Uh, he's having to untangle plot lines and make sure he's not contradicting things. 
writing an essay, it's a self-contained little story. And there's something kind of nice about that. I don't have to worry about, you know, mixing up something in the story or, you know, because I don't have readers that are on the hunt for me contradicting myself or screwing some part of the story up. Uh, so it does make it easier to write these essays on their own because it kind of, there is, I don't know, it's just that you have a beginning, middle and end. And, and there's a simplicity to that, that you can start and work with in terms of crafting the essay. I think there's sort of, I, I try to put a bit of myself in every article and make it relatable and find some sort of everyday thing that, that applies to the subject matter. So like I recently wrote about how everyone needs, there's a rising, um, there's rising numbers of people needing glasses and nearsightedness is expected to reach uh, 50% by 2050. I have no idea. Yeah, and it's already at like 80% in several Asian countries and it has to do with uh, not getting exposure to sunlight and too much screen time, basically, and looking at things up close. So in that case, like I wanted, I didn't want it to just be a random essay about the glasses. I, I, how can I put myself in that? Well, I talked about getting LASIK surgery and how I fixed my eyes and how my first memory of my own eyes going bad in, in ninth grade and the, the experience of that. Uh, so that's one component of it um, in terms of writing the essay. So dealing with online writers is a different animal. Um, and I'm kind of envious of book writers in this regard because there's the form factor of holding a book sort of lends more patience, I think, to readers. And when they're on their screen, they have so many other apps available and things to do. You don't really have that with a book. It's sort of nice and peaceful. And so you have to move things very quickly with an essay. So within the first hundred words, I always try to set the stage, show some type of scene, dangle some type of curiosity for the reader. And it's basically the setups and the payoffs that you're, you're doing with books. And I try to just do that in a microcosm essentially. And then, yeah, I try not to, to be too formulaic and mix things up. I think it's important to keep the readers guessing a little bit and leave them something that they can that they can work with that'll make them better and happier so to speak that's the we can drill deeper if there's anything more you want to know on that so well no i was i was just thinking because you do have i you have stories about your past and growing up in your family okay mm -hmm. you know you're not you know doing you know revealing secrets or whatever but just kind of casual things like I mean, you've got one of the coolest fathers. Okay. Yeah. He's pretty cool. Yeah. And so um, things like that. Uh, and then you've got types of stories about, about different people in different jobs or whatever. You've mm -hmm. got types of stories that, you know, you've got these kind of, you know, you've got clumps of different types of stories. Not, not everyone is entirely different. And I was wondering if you had ever thought or talked to anyone about, collecting those and um, curating those a little bit into a book. I, you know, I haven't even, I, I was, you know, I mentioned to you when we were interacting on LinkedIn a little bit, how I did come close to doing the the book with Penguin. It sort of fell through in the 11th hour, you know, typical publishers, but um, I just have been so caught up in doing my projects with online writing uh, that I haven't been able to do that, but I would like to do some sort of compilation. I, um, I'm doing a, you know, I'm doing the perch thing too. So I, I think the first thing I might do is compile some writing articles and answers into sort of a short mini book to help aspiring writers if they, that are trying to enter the online writing world. I think eventually I would like to write self-improvement or just 
some type of book for a publisher, but the deal would have to line itself up. Right. You know, I got, I've, I've, I've put in quite a few hours with publishers and gotten yanked around a bit. And so I got kind of fed up and, you know, I needed to reset, so to speak, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely on, I mean, I've only, I've written a book already for um, a client. I just need to get around and do my own book. I have a sideways question. Sure. You said, you said you're good at maths Mm -hmm. and, you sound very organized. I'm, I'm just wondering if your whole career here has been quantified, if you run metrics and keep um, spreadsheets. And- <laughs> That's a great question. So initially to a fault, yes. I, I think that you can get – I used I, initially I would check my stats like all the time and I would calculate my daily earnings. And it just became – and very quickly I realized, you know – I quit finance. Why am I acting like a financial analyst still? <laughs> you know, I thought you, it's like, I thought you loved being creative. Why don't we just like turn that button off? And I was so glad when I did that because I mean, you do have to track how things perform to some extent with any profession, but yeah, stepping away from that and just leaning into the more creative side of writing and just embracing it more and, and stop, you know, and to this day, I mean, I still do, I do worry about numbers and things and, you know, I have bills to pay too. And, but um, I, I contain it, so to speak, and I don't let um, I don't let my mind get too caught up in the numbers of it all. No, <laughs> good question though. So you mentioned perch. What is that? Yeah. So it, it was so random. You know, one of the cool things about this career is like when when I've ever had like whenever you know my have, articles haven't been performing as well, or my paycheck has kind of gone. Down. And this kind of ha- this happens a lot in this career. You have these ups and downs and. Every time something sort of falls through, like something else falls out of the sky and it feels good and sort of validating that I'm like, it's like the universe telling me I'm on the right path because I'll, I'll be kind of down and depressed about some opportunity falling through and then something just pops up in my email. And that's exactly what this was. So Perch uh, is a startup and they're funded by um, Alex Ohanian, the co-founder of Reddit. And they want to become to Quora what Substack became to Medium. So... If you don't know already, I mean, Substack is where a lot of journalists and writers go. Pay, it's a paid email newsletter and gives you access to specific people. And they and those people can write free from the clutches of editors and uh, quote unquote cancel culture and the things that diminish their audience. So with Perch, it's going to be it's a monthly paid subscription uh, to to an expert, essentially. And we are just in the alpha phase of this. There's only a handful of creators and they give me a stipend each month and I answer questions. And it's honestly, it's a, it's a neat change of pace. It's been, you know, you can kind of get into sort of um, a circular pattern where you sort of do the same thing every day as a writer. So when there's a chance to do something a little different, it makes things more fun. So that's where it is right now. I'm just sort of farming subscribers and and uh, posting on social media. You know, they're nice. They're they're. Uh, I think it's five or six founders that started the company together. And yeah, so we'll see what comes of it. So I had an email conversation with one of the founders. I'm a product manager, okay, mm-hmm. which means that I design products. That's what mm-hmm. I do. And he he wanted my advice. Okay, because mm. um, who was it? Who, who, who um, was it? Perch. It was Perch. It was about oh. Perch because okay. I had I, I have no idea. I don't remember. I responded to your Perch thing. I think 
mm-hmm. and your perch message. I have no idea. That must have been. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how he ended up in the middle of this. And he wanted my advice because I, you know, I would followed you on Medium and, and wrote a little tiny bit for Medium and stuff and was a product manager. And he kept asking me how much he should charge. And I kept saying, who are your customers? Mm. Know your customers. What do your customers want? And so we went back and forth two or three times and I dumped him. So um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oops, maybe we should edit that out of this. Um, no, that's okay. We've name uh, anyone. You're good. Hey, okay. I'm sure Perch is going to do fine because, um, because it's bite size. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's not a browser. It's something you can read on your phone. Yeah. Th- that's what I like best about it is, is, you know, it's, it's got the same goodness. Okay. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can do it faster. Yeah. It's, it's a bite size and it's easy to answer the questions. So I haven't actually paywalled mine yet, but I, I think my value prop will be something along the lines of, Basically offering like elevated priority to their question in my queue if they if they wanted something answered and maybe just a form of patronage and maybe access to some type of community. And, um, you know, we'll see. It's okay. an interesting product. I mean, I think the thing is, I mean, you have to learn to when you're dealing with the masses. I mean, people are people don't part with their money easily. You, you really have to strategize and and figure out exactly what they want. You know, fortunately, there is a very organic desire to learn to write. I mean, it's just like, it's amazes me how many people have thought about writing. I mean, cause everyone took English class and had to write essays and I'm sure they've read a book or two. One would hope a book or two they actually enjoyed. So there's always this like, what if thing. And so, you know, sometimes people will want to explore it, even if it doesn't work out, they want to just have tried it once. I mean, I, I've had students who gave it a shot and they realize, you know, I, I like the idea of writing but uh writing is actually kind of hard it's like it's a little it's a lot of work stephen spender the great british poet reviewed a um an autobiography the autobiography of another poet and he said so and so states frequently that he always wanted to be a poet he never says that he wanted to write a poem (laughs) <laughs> that's <laughs> that's funny that's i mean there is there's very much a distinction right and uh oh it's it's a journey you know what's the what's the saying by hemingway that he said there's nothing to writing you just sit at the keyboard and bleed <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's true i mean it's nice when and i'm sure this is true with your your novels too when the story just writes i'm sure there's those days it writes itself the dialogue just pops up and you can see it all happening and then you hit that first snag and you're just like, oh, God, what am I going to do? And, you know, those it can be trying. And I have to be disciplined, though, because it, in those moments, I can find myself wanting to do, like do all these little chores and things to avoid mm-hmm. writing. And, you know, mm-hmm. we call it shaving the yak. It's where I'll, I'll I'll jump right on that. But first, let me shave this yak. And you just do these time wasting things. And but it's so rewarding, you know, when once you get. When, when you finish something, you, like, you know you nailed it and, and this was a good one. You know, Not everything you write is as good as the next, but when you really nail a piece, like that's one of the most rewarding feelings in this profession. There's fewer things are, are like that when you, when you know in your heart, like this is your best work. We will put links to the podcast and the interesting things we mention on our website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. You have been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is performed by Deirdre Schwein, and our sound engineers are David Welsh and John Schmidt. 
Our entry music is Pretty Maid's Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Ingberg. You can hear more from Michael Ingberg on minihatsmusic.com. Our sponsors are Jackal Designs in Australia, The Bean Scene in Sunnyvale, and Arm Street in Ukraine. And to all of you out there, thanks for listening.